Welcome to the Hamumu Halloween Home Horror Hoedown, the podcast where we watch scary movies so you don't have to. From award-winning to completely unknown, we take them all way too seriously. I'm your host, Mike Hommel. And I'm your host, Solange Hommel. Now warning, we use a ghoulish number of spoilers, so watch the movies first. Second warning, we don't know anything about anything, so don't take us seriously as we take these movies seriously. There are debates. It happens every year. People talk about, oh, Die Hard, that's a Christmas movie. No, it's not. It is. It is. And then our debate goes in a different direction because Gremlins from 1984... Is clearly a Christmas movie. Obviously. But is it a horror movie? Absolutely it is. Just because you were traumatized by it as a child does not make it a horror movie. Just because you're no longer frightened by things that were scary in the 80s doesn't make it not a horror movie. You can't take it out of the context of when it was made as horror Uh, and then pretend it was never horror. It is a dark comedy. Everything about it is meant to be comedic, family fun, lighthearted, and yet with a tinge of darkness like, ooh, this gremlin is melting and that's gross. So I feel like if you're going to take that tact, we could go through the list of movies that we have reviewed, the hundreds of movies we have reviewed, and many of them would be deleted from the horror list. Never. (laughs) Okay, so let's... Go forward as if this is a horror comedy Christmas movie, like it is. Or or like it's not. And let's have a conversation about Gremlins. 1984. Yes. As you hinted at earlier, Gremlins was one of the movies that traumatized me as a child. Because in 1984, I was six years old. That's pretty young. And I am going to guess I probably didn't see this movie as a six-year-old. I don't like. I don't think I was going to see it in the theaters or anything. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely saw it sometime. I'm going to guess I probably saw it before I was 10. So how is it then that you were traumatized by the gremlins? Well, obviously I was too young to watch things melt or to see things explode in microwaves. So I think just in general, it was too much for whatever age I was when I was watching it. But the piece that sticks with me and what prior to this rewatch, what I thought was a key component to this storyline was that Kate doesn't like Christmas. Now, Kate's the love interest of the main character, and he's baffled by the fact that Kate doesn't like have all this Christmas spirit. Yeah. And she explains to him finally... That the reason she doesn't have Christmas spirit is because one year her dad tried to surprise her and her mom by coming home down the chimney with presents and he gets stuck in there and they don't know where he is for weeks and then they smell something and they call the chimney people and they're like, oh my God, here's your dad. Like that is right there alone, even though it turns out that's not really part of the whole plot of the whole movie. It is completely tangential. (laughs) The fact that that is in that movie makes this a horror movie, period. Wow. That's a... By that measure, I don't know. You could come up with a lot of horror movies. I could. Anyway, that is the part that truly traumatized me. Like, 
Yeah. Legitimately, I mean, when I think about how old I was, I probably still believed in Santa. So, like, at this <laughs> point, I'm like, oh, my gosh. People can get stuck in chimneys and die up there. And, like, not only did this woman have her father die in the chimney and they didn't know about it. Like, that's terrible. But then the idea as a child that, like, there's a guy whose job it is to go around all night long going up and down chimneys. Like, the chances that he would get stuck and die in there, pretty good. I mean, yeah, like, a billion chimneys in one night. So The odds that he wouldn't are pretty slim. Exactly. So, like, that piece of that movie was embedded in my brain. I think about it often, probably every Christmas, possibly every Halloween, too, because that's when, you know, they start putting gremlin on, gremlins on you know, streaming and whatever. But, like, way deep in my brain. And that was a fun part of our viewing experience when that story didn't come up and didn't come up. And you're like, where is it? And then she just... Tells a story for like two seconds mm-hmm. and then it's over and it's gone and it was nothing. Yeah, it's basically literally if they took that story out of this movie, it wouldn't have changed the movie in any way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, except we'd always wonder why she hates Christmas. I mean, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. I, I just. Yeah. It was boggling to me that that was not a key <laughs> component. Yeah. I was expecting it to be a scene in the movie where you know, that happened to someone. I was also expecting that because it's a scene in my head, let me tell you. (laughs) Yeah, that is, that's post-traumatic. Yeah. So instead of that being what this movie is about, Hmm. this movie is actually about a traveling salesman, inventor dude, who finds, he, he buys, illegitimately buys this, like, pet during his travels somewhere in Asia, I assume. Like, where was he? I think he was in Chinatown in some city. I don't know. I guess that's possible, too. Anyway, wherever he is, some very stereotypical, nondescript Asian (laughs) characters. He takes this pet, this mogwai pet, home to his son. He's like, I have to get this thing for my son and take it home. And I'm like, oh, his son, again, not remembering. I'm like... Yeah, he, he he's probably like eight. Yeah. No, that dude is not even in high school anymore. <laughs> but I would be excited to get an exotic animal as a pet. I'm not in high school anymore either. I know. But would you want your dad buying it for you while you <laughs> lived in the attic of his house? <laughs> well, that's getting into whole layers of issues. <laughs> that was my, a big problem I kept having with this movie was how people were excited about this animal. Mm-hmm. But... Nobody was like, whoa, this is a creature that we've never seen, a totally new being, and it talks. <laughs> like, yes. Like, what, is it alien? Is it a species that we've just discovered? Like, nobody was fighting over what to name it. They were mm-hmm. just like, yes, this already exists in some other culture somewhere. Like, it, yeah, there was no curiosity. Yeah. But that goes along with everything else because... Dude didn't have any curiosity about how his girlfriend felt when her dad died in the <laughs> chimney either. Like, yeah, they just everything was just kind of glossed over. Yeah, it was definitely a movie that kind of just rolled along. Like, it was just gonna. They wanted to have gremlin mayhem, so they didn't waste time with people reacting properly to things. No, not at all. So he brings this mogwai home to his kid, and thankfully he was listening. 
when the grandson of the guy who originally owned it was like, oh, so there's like three important things. Mm -hmm. Mm, It doesn't like light. Don't get it wet. And don't feed it after midnight. Which is a whole thing. There was no pamphlet. No. These things weren't written down. This kid told this guy one time these three rules. (laughs) And fortunately, when he handed it off to his son, he also one time verbally (laughs) told him these three rules. Yeah. The thing is, everyone disregarded the first rule. Like they Mm -hmm. put him in bright lights all the time. And he would let them know. Yes. By speaking English. Yes. Which was not at all shocking to them. No. He was like, please, sir, I do not like to be in this bright environment. talk like that. That was basically it. That was was my impression. But, like, the fact that they knew the rules but did not pay any attention to them. Like, it was so careless the way they're like, it hurts this animal to be in bright lights. Uh, And they're just like, bright lights everywhere. Eh, doesn't matter. All the time. Until he starts screaming, we're just going to leave it. The light's going. Right. So it doesn't surprise me at all that then they let it get wet. Like they have zero concern about having a glass of water nearby. (laughs) Yes. No concern whatsoever. Even after they see what happens, which is horrific. Yes. Okay. The water's fallen on him and he's laying on the ground, screaming in pain, bubbling. bubbling. Yep. And that's fine. They're all, what's happening? Oh, no. But then... You know, a a triple pops out of him and lands on the table and they start looking at that and they're ignoring the fact that their pet is there on the table screaming and bubbling. Yeah, they did not care. And then once they realized that the screaming and bubbling led to more of them (laughs) and like, ooh, this is exciting. Then they were like, we're just going to put water on him whenever we feel like it, (laughs) even though we know it causes him extreme pain. Yeah. And exhaustion afterwards. Like, poor, poor little gizmo. That poor guy was so abused. And, and nobody just cared. took it. Nobody he just cared. just took it. Also, he was played by Howie Mandel. I just learned that today. Interesting. Yeah. So, like, the first two rules completely disregarded. And then the third rule wasn't completely disregarded. No, he was tricked. But, yeah, like, spy- Stripe... I always want to call him Spike. I yeah. don't know why. My grandma had a really nasty cat named Spike. <laughs> I think there's some con- conflation in my brain. Stripe definitely chewed through those wires. And as I say chewed through the wires, I would like to admit something that's probably pretty embarrassing. I'm going to say that the reason I'm not super embarrassed by it is that I was, as previously said, probably less than 10 years old. When I first watched this movie, Uh I was halfway through this viewing now as a 44 year old woman, halfway through before I realized that this is just a story about electrical gremlins and how electrical things sometimes don't work and we don't know why. And we're just blaming it on these like creatures that we just discovered. Yeah, I I think that was not really like what it was about. I think they just kind of had that like as an angle to it, like a little element. No, here's the thing. I'm pretty sure that this, I think that is where this movie came from. You think? Because there's no reason why everyone in this movie should call (laughs) these creatures gremlins. They are clearly identified as mogwai from the beginning, but everyone calls them. Okay, but 
How? How did we all decide collectively without any discussion that we call them gremlins? Because that's the thing. And and early on in the movie, there's this stuff about like Billy's car won't start. Oh, yeah. It's because yeah. of electrical gremlins. And then everything else. I had never realized that all the trouble that they get up to yeah. is all caused by messing with electrical things which theme is carried out in billy's dad the inventor who creates all these electrical devices that don't work and they right. you know buzz and spin around and do all kinds of crazy things right it's very gremlin related yes so somehow that was a thing i think somebody was like had they were thinking about gremlins the you know the electrical things things go wrong all the time and they were like what if there was actually a creature that did these things sort of like uh stephen king writing the langoliers to explain why sometimes you can't find your keys yeah you know like it was so elaborate and yet i yeah i didn't put all of that together until like at least halfway through the movie I was yeah. Like, oh, I get it. They started getting very electrical once they went on a rampage. Yeah. I don't think they ever intentionally fed Mogwai. In fact, we know they didn't because Gizmo refused to eat the chicken that was mm-hmm. offered to him after midnight. Yeah. He knew. He knew. But the gremlins, the secondary versions of him, the like, you know, post tribble <laughs> reproductive cycle yes. versions His of kids. him. His children, yes, who like sort of like photocopies, like they seem to disintegrate some in quality each time it happens. They wanted to eat after midnight. Yeah. And that's what turned them into, that's what allowed them to like pupate, right? Mm -hmm. So my question is, what would happen if a first generation Mogwai ate after midnight? Well, I think the same thing would happen. The thing is okay you notice that there's only one mogwai in that store and i believe what's going on is mogwai are terrible creatures that do this whole thing and gizmo is a good one who sees that they're terrible and therefore is not interested in breeding making more of these terrible Mm. things he's a racist against his own kind is what it is got some internalized self-hatred yes and he doesn't want to turn into a gremlin and all of that. Mm, so interesting. I mean, that, that seems like a thing. I think it's also probably not anything we need to really process because they didn't think about it that hard when they were making it. I think you're probably right, but I have one more thing to process. About okay, let's that. process. Well, let's take it way too we're seriously. We're going to take it one step deeper into way too seriously, which is when a mogwai gets wet, it creates slightly evil mogwai. Mm-hmm. Who then, when you feed them, become evil gremlins. Yeah. But most of the gremlins that came from, or that ar- appeared in this movie, came from Stripe going to the YMCA and getting in the pool mm-hmm. and creating thousands and thousands and thousands of himself because apparently it's based on how many drops of water touch you. <laughs> Which is, yeah. Which is weird. It's weird that, you know, he jumps in the pool and presumably he's sitting in there screaming and bubbling underwater. Does it like use up water with each one, I guess? Maybe eventually that pool drained out into him? Maybe. I don't know. I feel like 
there's some laws of conservation or whatever that would have caused him to die of exhaustion before all of those were created, but apparently not. So anyway, they skipped the pupating stage. Like when a gremlin gets wet, it creates a gremlin, not a slightly evil mogwai. Yeah. It's like it's a one-way trip, this whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. So, so creepy. Along with the fact that the mogwai and gremlins can talk, although the gremlins didn't do a lot of talking. They did some, though. Some, but not a lot. Yeah. But along with the fact that they can talk, they can all read, too. Yeah. English. That was one of my notes. They can just read. That's just Mm -hmm. what they can do. Mm -hmm. That is truly astounding and worthy of better than Corey Feldman seeing one and going, neat, and going back to reading his comic book. Tiny Corey Feldman. He was so cute. (laughs) That was before he He ate after midnight. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, he he was not at all interested in this, this new animal. It's so weird. That's just a f- huge flaw in this story that I can't deal with is how how little people were impressed by this completely new creature that could read. Yeah. Although at the same time, Billy's dad wanted to market them as the Peltzer pet. And yes. like, you know, immediately, as soon as he saw that you could create more just with mm-hmm. water, he was like, yes, capitalism. Yeah. That's one of my notes is the word capitalism by itself. I wrote the Peltzer pet. Go capitalism. Yeah. And and what an awful thought. I mean, that's I mean, it would be a whole slavery farm thing where he'd like have mm. he'd be like dripping on a single mogwai in a cage and oh, collecting sure. the tribbles that come out and For sure. Oh, it, it's you know they'd horrifying. be in like those little cages like like veal calves are yeah. where they can't really move and Yeah. Yeah. It's and a they definitely situation. come out very friendly after that. Everybody would want one. Yeah. Along with tiny Corey Feldman, I would like to point out one of my favorite characters, Mrs. Deagle, who really is supposed to represent capitalism, but apparently there's like evil capitalism and good capitalism in this movie. (laughs) They're both evil. Because she's supposed to be like the evil capitalism part because she keeps wanting people to pay their rent at Christmas time. Yeah, she's real into that. She's very Mr. Scrooge. And she runs around threatening bodily harm to Billy's dog yeah. repeatedly. Like, Death. Right. Like not even, not like in a joking way, but like if I get my hands on that dog, I am going to murder him. Yeah. She's going to poison him or something. She was very explicit about it. To the point where when Billy finds his dog hanging from the roof of their house, like all wrapped up in a string of Christmas lights, he totally thought Mrs. Deagle had done it. Yeah, that's the kind of person she is. So it was pretty cool when she got flung out of a window to her death. Yeah, because the electricity in her stair chair went crazy mm-hmm. because of gremlins. Thanks to gremlins. Mm-hmm. They saved the day once again. Mm-hmm. That sort of brings me to more of my notes about Kate's story of her dad's death. To which I wrote, so morbid, so unnecessary, so implausible. Yeah. Like, as an adult listening to this story, I was straight up laughing at it because, like, he got stuck in the chimney carrying a bunch of packages. Like, well, yeah. And chimneys, you can't fit in a chimney. No. Chimneys are little. No, there was nothing (laughs) about that story that made any sense whatsoever. But as a kid, I was 100% bought into it. Yeah, I did not remember it as being something impossible. I just remembered that that's what had happened. Yeah, it was ridiculous. I'm also seeing that I have a note here about how 
gremlins like gender expression, but only they're only female when it's funny. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There were like three female gremlins and it was all, you know, the trashy one and the Marilyn Monroe one. And, you oh, know, yeah. like they, it was always like, oh, there's a funny recognizable woman trope here. And yeah. so we had, we had gender expression for the gremlins, but only because haha, women are hilarious are. In, in their existence. Yeah, because gremlins have no gender because they reproduce asexually, mm-hmm. but they're obviously very male in gender expression. Well, because generally. they work in electricity. Girls oh, don't yeah. understand electricity, That's right? That's true. That's true. My question is, I have in my notes something about chicken soup being water, but I don't really remember that in the movie, but still goes to my second question, which is, there is water in food. Some more than others, mm-hmm. but like they mm-hmm. eat chicken legs, which have a bunch of water in them. What's is there a threshold of how much water gets on you or in you? I mean, by eating this food, I they're getting wet. Yeah, I don't know because also, like, the pool at the YMCA is gonna have a very different water makeup than like the mm-hmm. jar or glass or whatever he had on his desk. Yeah, I don't know. There there are clearly scientific questions to be explored yeah. around these creatures, but they won't be explored because no one in this movie has any curiosity whatsoever. <laughs> That's true. Oh, one person does, the science teacher at the high school, who Billy brings him a mogwai goes, hey, look at this, Um, you know, it popped out of another mogwai, and so whatever, let's do that test. And they made it happen again, I think. They made made it pop him a new one that Mm -hmm. he could have. And he's like, yeah, just keep it. Can I take this animal from you and run some tests on it overnight? And he's like, yeah, go ahead, run scientific tests on my animal. That's not the one I love, so do whatever you want to it. Yeah, and he got punished for that, and that's okay. Is that where the soup was? Because he pulled... That was a sandwich, wasn't it? There was a sandwich that he grabbed. That's how That's how that guy got fed after midnight Yeah, in the cage. You know, he... Grabbed his sandwich. Mutated. Yeah. Yeah, I was not sad that the science teacher got got. Yeah. I was definitely not sad that Mrs. Deagle got got. <laughs> nope. Yeah. I mean, it was it was deep in the dark humor of this movie in the sense that, like, you really hated certain characters and were ready yes. for them to die. Well, that's that was the thing with how the movie started is it had this very big kind of Christmas movie tone, like family Christmas movie, where Mrs. Deagle was so over-the-top cartoon villain. Mm-hmm. And everybody else was going, do, 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 let's go sliding on the hill and mm-hmm. all of that stuff. It was very Norman Rockwell. It felt very Babes in Toyland to me. Sure. The, the version that you can't get anywhere that had <laughs> that had Keanu Reeves in it and Drew Barrymore and some creepy old guy. <laughs> I don't remember. He played the dad in some sitcom. Like, it, it had that same, like, yeah, perky... There was yeah. perky music playing all the time, and everything was, you know, everyone was like a nursery rhyme, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just ridiculous. It drifted away from that toward the end. Yeah, it drifted into mayhem and murder. Yeah. Like the- a true horror movie. <laughs> exactly. So there's a theater scene 
at the end where they end up blowing up a lot of these gremlins because for some reason all of the gremlins decide to go see a movie yeah at the same time it makes so much sense pack themselves <laughs> into the same theater uh-huh. although it might have been like the theater i grew up with where there was only one one room yeah this was a quaint town yes um so they all they're all in their different outfits every one of them is dressed differently it's like a room full of puppets all dressed up, all like being ridiculous. It's like if Animal had been cloned over and over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. And you like see the camera like looks out over this this theater full of rowdy puppets, gremlin puppets. And all I could think was that scene is like a lot of my teacher nightmares where you're in a room where you're expected to maintain control over a a theater full of completely uncontrollable creatures that do not care about you at all. That do know how to read and talk. That do know how to read and talk and will collectively eat you. Mm -hmm. And mess up your electronics. (laughs) Yes. But look kind of cute sometimes. I don't know. Like look deceptively... Uh, mischievous and and precocious yeah. until they like eat your face off. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Teacher nightmares. Yeah, I can understand that. I do think it's incredibly weird that they all went to this movie. It was that was like the only way the movie this movie Gremlins could come up with to kill them all. <laughs> it's like we've got to just make them decide to all go to the same spot mm-hmm. so we can blow that spot up. Mm-hmm. Because otherwise, it was going to be one by one putting them in the blender yeah. or the microwave or whatever. Like Billy's mom took care of all but one of the OG yeah. uh, gremlins. What was funny about it was the the way she just embarked on this rampage instantly. She's like, she saw one and she just started killing. Yeah. <laughs> she wasn't messing nuts. around. Not even a little bit. Now, my story personally, as regards this movie, is not about a story of fear and terror, but quite the opposite. Please share your personal gremlin story with me. Well, after I saw this movie, and probably not in theaters, it was probably on TV, I was obsessed with the Mogwai, not the Gremlins, and how cute he was. Mm -hmm. And I know they made toys and stuff, and I was like, that's not what I want. I don't want toys. I want the animatronic prop from this movie. And for years, I kind of, I mean, this was before there was internet, so I couldn't like search it out. Mm -hmm. But I tried to like find out how could I get my hands on one of these props. Like I'm ready to save up a thousand dollars and get this prop to have. So I never did. I bet it's out there somewhere today. It's probably worth a lot because there's probably only one. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, we should look for it. See what it costs. No, it's probably gross because like the, all the skin is off and it's just a skeleton. <laughs> like a, one of those Furbies when you take the skin off. <laughs> yeah, this this movie definitely marketed a toy. <laughs> Hardcore. Yeah. Yeah, and that toy is called the Bathroom Buddy, and it's got a razor on it and a toothbrush, and which is real. It's it's like not useful. It's just 
all the things you need for your bathroom and they're all stuck together on a very large block. Not something that's like convenient. Yeah. Also, I wanted to point out to him, like the Swiss army knife had definitely already (laughs) existed for a long time. Swiss army knives don't have toothbrushes. No, he was just like inventing a clunkier, less useful version of the Swiss army knife. What I thought was interesting about his inventions is, you know, these were his prototypes because he never was able to sell these to anybody. And they were all over the house. So his family was using them. They looked like finished professional products. Like they were smooth plastic and like Mm -hmm. all nice design. And it was like, that's not what a prototype invention looks like. I don't understand. He clearly put more effort into making it look nice than he did into making it work. That's true. Capitalism. Capitalism. This movie is from 1984, which Mm -hmm. is the keystone moment in history. It's when Ghostbusters came Mm. out, and I don't know what all the others were. I think Raiders of the Lost Ark. Ninja Turtles, I think, were probably around that same time. It's all this year. That specific year was all these amazing movies that really did things. I think Karate Kid is one of them, because that's the movie I wanted to mention. We went back and saw Karate Kid recently... Not recently. It was a couple of years ago. But I was like, oh, I don't want to see a dumb family movie from the 80s. But then we started watching it. And within the first minute or two, I was enthralled. It was just like a kid and his mom, like kind of arguing a little bit. And it was just so, I don't know what, what about it, but it was just right. It was done right. And it pulled me in and I was interested in the lives of these people. So going into this movie, I thought... 1984 movie that's what's going to happen this was a special era of magic and i'm going to see this movie and be like hey you're pulling me in and this is so interesting and that did not happen not a bit it didn't no what happened instead well unlike that movie which had all kinds of heart and you know making you care this movie was I mean, it was fake heart. It was a Norman Rockwell painting. It was all the cheesy family Hallmark movie kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Goofiness. And then with monsters on top. So I didn't hate it, but it definitely did not have that, wow, this is actually a really good movie. This was just a cheesy, dumb movie. Um, the puppets were good. All the puppets were good. And that's really what it's uh, best known for is... As you said, the uh, marketing the toys. Yeah. Very nice. So, as a classic horror film that terrified me and made me watch through my fingers, I will rate this movie. It's not terrible, but I'm not into it. So, it's two and a half RC cars out of five. Okay. I agree with a lot of what you said. Uh, The puppets were straight up amazing. Like, Mm -hmm. the sheer number of them that they made and how they personalized so many of them and, like, the expressiveness on them, like, that that was wondrous. Yeah. There were some bits that were ridiculous where it was like, 
like one hanging from the ceiling fan and he's supposed to be spinning around enjoying it. But really all they did was hang the puppet from the ceiling fan and just let it swing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there it had its limitations, but for the most part, like the number of times I had an emotional connection with Gizmo yeah. because of some facial expression he made. Yeah. Like, he could move his face a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, that was pretty amazing. I also think there was some of that heart. It was not done anywhere near as well as Karate Kid or any of the other movies that came out, like, sort of in that half decade. But also, like, it it had some of it. Like, it was trying, and it definitely has a hardcore 80s feel to me. Yeah. We didn't really talk at all about how it ended with the guy from Chinatown, the old man from Chinatown, like, coming and, like repossessing him basically and being like you all cannot be trusted with the environment and the earth and like you know basically it had one of those like really environmental lectures at the end like so many 70s and 80s horror movies had like i liked bits and pieces of it and it's had a very nostalgic feel to me but yeah it was disappointing given what I remembered it as being and then what it actually ended up being. And I don't know that I can blame the movie for that, <laughs> but it definitely, like, it, it wasn't what I thought it was. I am going to give it three RC cars out of five, just because it did, like, it did have that nostalgic feel to it. And I don't know. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It was just cheesy. And that's okay. That is Okay. It definitely was funny. Like, I laughed a lot during this movie. And and that's worth something to me. Well, that sounds good. And we are in the middle of our Christmas horror fiesta, as we call it. Fiesta. That's we've always called it that. Yeah. Every, t- every time we've done it, we've yeah. called it that. So, two down, two more to go. Come back next week to see what additional festivities are in store in the fiesta bye everybody bye happy holidays Do the thing. <laughs> <laughs>